0: Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role. And ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Robert Davi. Robert's an American actor and singer who's performed in over 160 films, along with several television shows. He's best known for playing FBI Special Agent Bailey Malone on NBC's Profiler and is also famous for appearing in the movies Die Hard, Predator 2, Showgirls, License to Kill, and one of my personal favorites, The Goonies. Classically trained as a singer, Dobby gained positive reviews for releasing the album, Dobby Sing Sinatra on the Road to Romance, which ranked at number six on the Billboard Jazz Chart. He's associated with several charities, including the Dream Foundation part of a child foundation, the Humane Society of the United States, and UNICO. He's won FBI's Man of the Year Award and the George M. Estabrook Distinguished Service Award from Hofstra University Alumni Association. Robert is an outspoken conservative Christian, and he's also a strong pro-life advocate. Robert, it is an honor to have you here today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. Honored to be here. Yeah, so you're coming live from Las Vegas and, and they're working on a, a new film that's coming out. But uh, what I really wanted to start with today is you've got Roe v. Wade that is coming out here in the next few months. Tell us a little bit about that movie and you know, why you were drawn to it.
1: Well, I, since the 70s, I think Roe v. Wade has been a, uh, on the forefront of every political season and every politician and you know, it's hugely impactful and controversial. So now you, uh, and I met the, the woman that w- was based on, the Norma, uh, doing another film several years ago, who had regrets about her initially, uh, you know, had, had a com- she had a complex life, so to speak. Um, but the, uh, the subject to me is, uh, is a uh, fascinating one that when they made the decision, there was no science. There was the uh, faith aspect of it all, you know, in terms of sanctity of life. Uh, (laughs) We needed science for that was already strange to me, but the idea of the, the, uh, the argument put forward on Roe versus Wade, people didn't see how the sausage was made. It's been so talked about, but how was that whole decision? How did it come about? And not much has been done about that to explain. And I think this first film takes a peek on that, and also, there's so much talk about Supreme Court justices and the, the necessity of that. I got to play Supreme Court Justice Brennan, who Anton, Antonin Scalia called the, the most influential justice of the 20th century. And uh, he had a long reign in terms of being a justice. He was a Roman Catholic who was also very progressive. And he believed, uh, unlike myself, he believed that the Constitution was a, a document that was able to... Uh, to, uh, like a virus, uh, change uh, depending on what the circumstance was, instead of having the blueprint for, you know, truth in our Constitution. And Brennan was the uh, justice who came up with the argument uh, of the woman's right to privacy. And uh, to me, that was fascinating, you know, seeing what these guys are doing under the robes, for instance, in terms of making a decision and how they influence each other or not. So that's part of the film that, to me, I found was uh, fascinating, uh, especially we have so much uh, in the last couple of years emphasis on Supreme Court justices. And we don't really don't really know. You know, you get a soundbite on the news about about what's happening. But how is that decision made? How do they hang? How do they influence? And this touches on that, interestingly, as it does many af- aspects in terms of the guy who was the major abortion proponent who then had a religious uh, awakening. So that's a, that's a big story.
0: Well, it's definitely a powerful movie, and I'm, I'm thankful to have been able to, to watch it pre-release. And, um, you know, I just, I think that there are so many people that, you know, the, the interesting thing about it to me was how they started pushing the narrative and how they, you know, manipulated the truth in order to fit the agenda that they ultimately wanted Hollywood and, the media to run with. And, you know, so from that standpoint, you've been doing films. You said your first film was 1977, over 160 films. You've been in Hollywood for a long time. What's it like to be a conservative Christian in Hollywood, with especially today with cancel culture? What, what's that like for you?
1: Well, uh, First, I have to say that on, in terms of getting back to Roe versus Wade for a second, that Nick Loeb and his partner did a wonderful job directing and nick uh, uh, put that together that the, the film and has a great cast hollywood when i first entered i did my first film with frank sinatra man so you can imagine you know the iconic presence that sinatra had uh, in culture and also in uh, uh society he wasn't not only his picassoist contribution to music but his contribution to uh, anti-semitism and racial bigotry of any kind now he came from, as many Italians did, from a a democratic family, Uh, Roosevelt era, I guess. And then uh, after the Kennedys, uh, uh, Sinatra made a transition to becoming conservative, Uh, Nixon and Reagan and Bush. And you had many big stars, important stars, that were conservative back then. Um, There's an interesting, uh, I think a film needs to be done, I'm trying to do it, called Tail Gunner Joe on Joe McCarthy because McCarthy has taken such a a, uh, a very interesting uh, cultural uh, misinterpretation. And I'm not saying what happened during that period was good, but it's happening worse now for conservatives. And the thing with McCarthy and with the communists in America in the 40s, Ronald Reagan combated those communists. I did a film recently called Reagan, where I played Brezhnev. Dennis Quaid plays Ronald Reagan. And in that film, you'll see how the communists infiltrated Hollywood because they understood, Marxist-Lenin understood how culture, capture the culture and you capture the minds and hearts of the youth and then education and whatnot. Now, there are many truths and the distortion of things that the media has portrayed over the years and also in Hollywood, it's difficult because you have many, many holdovers from that socialist era that, look, we all care about our fellow man. No one can deny that. Every Christian, the apex of that is love your neighbor as yourself. The teachings of Christ give you that. And to think for one minute that Christians are not people that give it, that care. So there's a big disconnect in Hollywood. Uh, culturally uh, isolate that aspect where back in Sinatra and John Wayne and Gregory Peck and a lot of these huge stars, there was a balance, more of a balance, of being able to come out and freely say, what, you've, uh, what you're thinking, as opposed to be frightened. And again, like I said, and the reason why I brought up McCarthy was McCarthy and the left in Hollywood has bashed McCarthy to death for what they're doing. But McCarthy was exonerated in 1996 by a Democrat senator called Daniel Patrick Monaghan that made the Venona Project made public. What's the Venona Project? The Soviets had a secret code. They had infiltrated the United States since the 30s. They had a secret code that they thought could not be decipherable. Well, in America, we deciphered it. And this Democrat senator, Daniel Patrick Monahan, let the Venona Project be made public. And in 1996, 99% of the people McCarthy fingered as communists in our government were. So that's a rude awakening. Now, today you have the reverse. You have what happened with whether you like him or not, or agree with him or not, uh, uh, whether you like his style or whatever it is. We had. Adam Schiff and Pelosi and everybody do this Russian collusion thing when they are the ones that have been colluding. And now we have this other thing with China, this difficulty with China. So it's a complex, systemic issue. And they have so dug in in the Hollywood community that it's, it's hard to I have friends that disagree with me. And we're friends still. But there are some people that you cannot discuss things with because they just call you a traitor. If you supported Trump, you're a traitor. If you supported this, you're a traitor. If you, you you know you don't care about women's health, which is, which is not you know women's health is I have how many daughters do I have? No, I have four daughters and two two step-daughters. So that's six women in my life. All right, I care about women and I care about their health. I care about their well-being. And when you think of the staggering numbers of abortions that have happened over the years, what is it? Fifty million?
0: Sixty-one million?
1: Sixty-one million. Are all those for health reasons? So it's become a form of birth control, which we're much better than that. They talk about climate change. They talk about the, the, the pipeline leaking a little bit, but yet they're not talking about the 61 million lives that and continued abortions that don't have to have, doesn't have to be. It's a, it's a, it's a, to me, it's, I don't understand the reality. It seems like we've been put in this, in this, uh, it's like a clown world. Matt. It's like a clown world. And, uh, You can't have, and and look, at my son is uh, 20, uh, twins, boy, girl. When he was eight years old, and I'm talking about the LGBT community, which I have all the, I make no judgments on a person's life. I am not one to judge. I've been in entertainment my whole life. I've met all kinds of people. I accept all kinds of people. And that's what my faith tells me to do. I do not judge anyone. It's not me to judge anyone's lifestyle. And I support what their beliefs are. But to think that because you're conservative, you don't have compassion or understanding is another misnomer. And and I think that's unfair. When my kid was eight eight years old, he came home from school one day and he said, dad, he didn't, he he was, he was upset. I said, what's wrong? And he says, I says, Nick, what's wrong? He says, come on, we're best friends. Tell me. He says, this kid called me a name. I go, what name did he call you? No, Dad. Nick, come on with best friends. Tell me what he calls. He called me and then he mentioned the word that was derogatory. And I says, do you know what that word means, Nick? He goes, yeah, Dad. I go, do you have those feelings? He goes, no, Dad. I like this girl in class. You know, I told you about her. Yeah, but Nick, if you had those feelings, don't worry about it. You understand? I had to make a decision. My eight-year-old comes home. Somebody calls him a name. I don't know if my kid has different feelings. And I don't want him to be afraid because I'm a macho kind of guy to be able to say, hey, dad, I have this. And when he's 16, he hangs himself in the closet. So I tell faith-based community this story. At the same time, I tell the LGBTQ community that when I was 16 and I was I was uh, trained by Jesuits, I read Terre de Chedin, who was a Jesuit that was silenced by the church at a certain point because he was forward-thinking. He wrote The Divine Mayud and Phenomenology of Man, the uh, wonderful Jesuit. He coined the term, Matt, The mystical body of Christ, where we are all interconnected in the 50s. He was one of the forward thinking guys that did this whole movement, along with C.S. Lewis and a lot of these other Thomas Merton. And I, I was explaining to my mom Catholicism, Christianity, in terms of a Zen that it contained everything, you know, in the in the mass for us. It contained every spiritual symbol, you know what I mean? And I was explaining to this esoteric idea, and she panicked, and there was a look in her eyes as if I pushed her off a building for a split second. And she said, what do I believe in then? And I had to pull back. And I said, mom, 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 I'm just talking, mom. Oh, you're just just talking? Yeah, mom, just say Oh, oh, okay, okay. Because she was the head of confraternity for for Long Island. Oh, okay. Now, I tell the LGBTQ community, there were people like my mom, good, loving people that don't push them off the. Don't push them off the edge. Don't push them off the lead. You got to be the same way. You know what I mean. So it's lack of communication. It's making us enemies and not and not being able to. And and that's what I think the culture is doing in Hollywood and the, in the media, especially, and in other areas. We've got to find a way that we can have the ability to uh, uh, understand our differences but unite
0: through them. I absolutely agree, and and I think that this season that we're living in right now is extremely challenging and so many people are painted with a broad brush you know they're categorized and they're thrown into little boxes because that's just convenient and lazy and people don't have conversations with one another and and ultimately i think a lot of the times people don't know what they believe or why they believe it they just repeat things over and over and that to me is is a sad thing because you know, they've been indoctrinated by so many different organizations as to why they should believe something. And so they just continue on with that. And then when you challenge that, well, why do you believe that? They don't know why. And so they'd rather just shut down or defriend you or cancel you or or whatever the case may be. Whereas if you just had healthy conversations, hey, this is why I believe what I believe. And, you know, because I'm a follower of Jesus. You know i I do believe in loving him and loving other people because I am you know a conservative I, I do believe in helping people. I just believe in doing it with my own money versus having a gun to my head and saying somebody is going to you know pay for something that that I'm not willing to pay for myself. I think that there are there's so many misconceptions and and it's sad because this whole pandemic situation, you know people have they were already. Very polarized. And then this situation's made it so much worse because people have been told to stay home, distance from one another, wear a mask everywhere. And if you are not doing all of those things, if you push back in any way, then you're, they look at you like you're going to eat their children. And it's like, you know, I'm just walking around not wearing a mask because I don't feel compelled to wear a mask. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm not sick. I'm not trying to get you sick. I, I'm healthy. So if I know that I'm healthy and I know that I'm not causing problems, then I'm going to continue to live my life the way I feel compelled to live. And I'm going to focus on my health and I'm going to take vitamins and I'm going to wash my hands and I'm going to do those things. But, but I'm not going to live in fear for the rest of my life because I don't know how much time I've got left. I've got things to do. I've got a, a purpose in life and I've got to accomplish that. But, you know, if you're talking to somebody who all they've done is stay at home since last march all they've done is watch the news and and hear how you know me as a person who doesn't go along with this stuff is trying to kill them i'm the enemy and and it's just it's so sad to see how you know donald trump i, I know that you were outspoken for him i've you know discussed him a lot on the the show in various episodes and and i believe that uh, he will come down as as President Reagan, one of the greatest presidents in our lifetime for the things that he accomplished. Now, obviously, uh, the people that write history will get to determine uh, what that looks like, and and most of those people are not going to portray him in a good way. But but he accomplished a lot of good things. Now, uh, the way that he did it, the 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 brashness, you know, his style. Could he have maybe reined in some of his tweets and uh, some of the rhetoric? Sure, but. I think it's so sad that, you know, we've just been through this second impeachment trial where he's been acquitted again. And his attorneys, uh, I mean, one attorney today, I was reading an article that the man's, you know, been threatened, that his home has been broken into, uh, you know, windows busted, spray paint outside of his driveway. I mean, that's not how we live in America. I mean, you ought to be able to believe what you want to believe and not be persecuted for that. You ought to be able to. You know, live the way you want to live and not be persecuted for that. And it's just, it's sad to me that the people that claim to be the most tolerant are the ones that have the most hate and vitriol for the people that don't think like them. And so, from that standpoint, what are your thoughts as as somebody who's been pushing back against this for a long time? Uh, I mean, to be that conservative Christian in Hollywood and, and living, do you live in LA? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So to live in a, a very, you know, a state that most of the people do not think or believe like you, I mean, what do we do moving forward in the state of Alabama? It's pretty easy because, you know, we're, we're a pretty conservative state, but I applaud you first of all, for you know, being as outspoken as you are, but but how do you continue to walk that out? What does that look like?
1: Several points you brought up. One was the terms of helping people and using our own money and our own thing. And, the, the, you know, a, a perfect example of what happened is I think in California, how many billions of dollars now they're finding fraud with this government handout? Billions of dollars of fraud. The government, as Ronald Reagan said, is not the solution, it's the problem. And, um, you know, that's going to continue to to to, 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 to to grow on that level, um, it's unfortunate. Um, I, again, until I always say now the cancel culture and what they're teaching kids in school, even in sixth grade and seventh grade is just a, a way of thinking and even beyond that, a way of thinking where the children are confused now. I say that, I again, that going back to that area because it's so important, as far as I know in terms of gender and like I'm sensitive to everyone's differences. Want to make that point, but a baby is born with certain body parts that determine its sexuality at that moment, boy or girl. Now we have a thing where you can't say it's a boy or girl, or you could say whatever you want to say. I say until a baby is born with just one aspect of an anatomy, meaning where the where they go to the bathroom, and there's no other sexuality parts, then then that baby could be considered non-gender if it just has. I don't want to say the crude term for it, but just a but. But if it has the other part, you have to say at birth, it's this then let it grow. And, and, you know, but but there seems to be an indoctrination in terms of and kids will get confused. Kids will get confused. Yes. Maybe it's good to be sensitized. At, you know what I mean? And I understand that is their overreaction to being sensitized to, to something, which is good. That's all right. Um, California. The uh, uh, there are a lot of great people in California. You know, I mean, there's there's more people than you would dis- suspect. I love
0: California. Yeah,
1: and, and, but there's a lot of great people that uh, that that are that are conservative, oddly enough, and more. So I think, look at they just they're going to recall Gavin Newsom. What I find is the the amount of hypocrisy on the left. You know, you, you talked about Donald Trump. Uh, I wrote an article. I wrote many articles on Breitbart the day he announced. I said he was going to win, and why? And then subsequently, many articles I wrote defending and, and saying why he was good. I also wrote an article where I said to Donald, it's time to take the lumps out. This was during the first election. Now, what did that mean? Well, his dad, when he was making deals, cause I'm a Queens guy, was born in Astoria Queens. When he was making deals with his father and he was pushing too much or whatever it might be, his father used to say, take the lumps out, son. So I wanted to remind him of that. And I said, it's time to take the lumps out. I didn't do it this time around, but you know, he's his own person and uh people like the authenticity of which he speaks that's part of him not being a politician and being on construction sites his whole life not being censored not having his his tongue stapled to his forehead you know um which is what this society is doing to us all now i see people you know that girl that was on mandalorian whatever it is uh, gina Carre- Carano. she got you know for her beliefs something she said that was uh, uh, i don't know historically uh, I, from what i've understood she didn't do anything that wasn't not truthful but she got you know all of a sudden major corporations are saying canceling you that's frightening that's worse than the mccarthy era um because these are people talking about free speech not controlling or overthrowing the united states government which the communists wanted to do back during the, the, the mccarthy era the infiltration of that and um so it's a um, it's it's a and again It upset me being Italian-American when they were taking the Columbus statues down. I did a film with Marlon Brando, Christopher Columbus, The Discovery. And there is a great video on YouTube, Columbus, true or false? Well, if you look at that video, they made up a lot of stuff about Columbus just to take the statue down. It's not true. And then you have to talk about the, and and I respect indigenous people, I mean, but if you say something... You get attacked. If I say something like, well, the indigenous people were not innocent, then all of a sudden a contingent of the population will say on the left, oh, you're a racist against indigenous people. I didn't say that. I said that their indigenous people were not innocent always. They had cannibalism. They ate their young. They did certain things and practices that were not innocent. And the, there was when Columbus went to the New World, they were being attacked by some of them and some of the own Indigenous were being killed by other Indigenous. So the complexity of this, this purified cloud of society, and they want to denigrate everyone else, becomes the hypocrisy of the left. And it's done on purpose to split us up and to continue to divide us. It's like the, 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 there was no racism in my home growing up. You know, the Italian-American was considered dirtier and lower than the Negro. In the 1906, the New York Times said that. There were lynchings of New Orleans of Italians of more than anybody else in one day. And I can, I do not live through the eyes of anyone else. I only my own experience, but I was taught respect. And I spoke to a guy yesterday from Minnesota, black man on the set. And he told me, he says, you know, we were talking, goes, uh, uh, actually he was from Uganda initially. He he says, when I'm stopped by, by the police, I never been, I never found racism in my life. And this is a guy, I'd say 40, he says, He says, if I'm stopped, I'm respectful. And I tell my kids, be respectful. And that's what I was taught. Be respectful. Now, you don't have to agree with the guy, you know. Sure, when I see that thing go in the back, I'm like, oh, what does he want now, this guy? What's he going to bother me for? What do I do now? And probably I was guilty for something. And I'm pissed that I did it. You know what I mean? I'm going to get caught now and get a ticket. But, you know, you got to, but you just say, yes, officer, I'm sorry. You know what you did? Yes, I think I kind of like gave a false stop at the stop sign. That's right. And usually, if you're respectful, and this black man from Uganda told me that's the experience he had. So many times, just being honest, go ahead, no problem. Take care, son. And, you know, not to say that there's not bad apples, but there's bad apples in anything. Look at Hollywood now with the sexual harassment suits that are going on and on and on and on and on uh, and, and, and different things they're finding. So it's a, it's a, that's why the way, the truth, and the light. You know, what I mean, you know, he is the alpha and omega, you know, for me. And um, an interesting thing Ther de Choudan had said was that man throughout history is like a pendulum. Christ is the apex of perfection, right? And man swings. But as time goes, the arc gets smaller and closer to that moment when Christ consciousness will affect all of mankind. And, uh, you know, you you... you you go toward that, and you wonder why um, we have the divisiveness we have. Uh, where does it, you know? So something is stirring the pot, and it's, uh, uh,
0: you know, something not, not too, uh, some fallen angel. Well, Satan definitely has plans, and he is continuing to, you know, walk those out. Christ has plans for us as well, and and we as his followers have to. Walk those things out, but but there is certainly a war that's going on in the the spiritual and the supernatural realm that uh, has been going on long before we ever got here, and oh, yeah. it'll be going on long after we're gone. But you know, I do think that uh, too many people they they don't you know the the man from Uganda, you know, anybody who's got an opposing viewpoint. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all people in Christ died for every single one of us and God created every single one of us. And, you know, if we start with that, that we've got in common, do we have differences of opinion? Absolutely. Are some of them deal breakers? Yes. But if we start with the things that we've got in common and we work from there, I believe that there are things that we can solve more often than not, if we would, you know, just try to find those things in common and then work towards solutions from there. But this the hate and the vitriol and the just extreme entrenchment that is, is on different sides. It's uh, I, I think that it, again, it's, it's a plan of the devil to keep people so apart, you know, to, to make them believe that every single person that they see is their enemy, because if you can do that, it's, it's an old strategy, divide and conquer. And I think that we've seen that a lot in America, unfortunately, but um, I still think that it is a, a beautiful place to live. I think that, that it's a land of opportunity. I think that anybody can be anything they want to be. If they come here and they work hard, they're willing to apply themselves. At least at this point in 2021, I can't tell you what it's going to be like four years from now. But as is right now, you know, I, I think that there's no better place for people to do that.
1: You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like going to this pipeline. Like I said, I'm an environmental guy. I want clean air. In oceans, I've done concerts for Prince Albert in Monaco, and also Hollywood for Science, where they honored Barbara Streisand, who's Al uh Tom Brady's wife, and because uh, I'm environmentally aware, always have been. This is our planet. This is our, you know, Mother Earth. Uh, we're stewards of her. I did a film in the Amazon rainforest in 1990, one of the first real ecology films. I was there with the Yanomami Indians for nine weeks in the deep jungles, and I, I understand. At the same time. We have this technology and we have the money. So instead of negating the pipeline, how about using the technology to protect it? There's got to be some protection for the uh, environment, you know what I mean? So they can protect this. uh, So they talk about the leaking and everything else that happens there until now I have solar at my house until we can all find that uh, the, the means of alternative energy. And it goes back to Nikolai Tesla and some Something that people don't realize or know, most people don't know. Nikolai Tesla had free energy for all, much like we could do what we're doing right now. There's a band around, an energy band around the earth, he says, that could be plugged into. Everyone could have energy. He was working on that. When he died in New York, the FBI and the CIA took all of Tesla's papers from his uh, house and hotel. And he's working on this machine in on Long Island. They took all that energy, all that, all those papers, and they brought them to MIT. Did you know that? not. And do you know who they gave them to at MIT? Who's that? A man named John Trump, Donald Mm -hmm. Trump's uncle, his father's brother, who was one of the heads of MIT. He developed some, he developed like the MRI machine. He developed a lot of, he was a genius. He got the Medal of Freedom, or one of those high honors from Ronald Reagan. That's when Reagan and Trump met each other, when his uncle got that medal. Most people don't know that. So you have to tell me that that and, and, and there was so much. Think about that. Trump's uncle was deciphering the energy plan of uh, 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 Nikolai Tesla. So the, the brains of, of, you know what I mean? We talk about, but that's not brought up. You know what I mean? The, the guy does see steps ahead. It's what's happening. I spoke to someone today from Switzerland. The same thing about the cancel culture is happening in France. They're enraged about it, so much so that Le Pen may win in France. Macron was upset of the cancel culture in France now, blaming America for what's happening in France. So, and that comes from the left. So there is a, uh, uh, and, and for me, when I see artists, different artists, don't understand that freedom, freedom of speech is so important and that they're, they're, they're denigrating that believe what you want to believe. God bless you. You're different from me, but let me, I'm, I don't freely speak as much as I have on Twitter. I have to bite my, my, my words back because I know what it's going to lead to now and it's
0: going to get worse. I definitely agree. And, and I do think that it is, um, you know, as we start looking at the rights that are being whittled away, you know, currently you've got the ability to do certain things, but, um, you know, as we look at the the freedom to assemble, we look at the freedom to speak, we look at the, the freedom to practice, you know, our religious beliefs. Uh, those are all things, uh, right to bear arms. I mean, those are all things that are currently under attack. And those are things that that could, um, you know, be really pushed back against over the next couple of years if we are not vigilant, if people don't just become aware, you know, when, when COVID started last March and, You know, churches were not allowed to open, but you could go to a liquor store, you could go to a strip club, or you could go to, you know, all of these different places that certainly I would think are uh, a lot more detrimental to somebody's health than going to worship God in heaven. And, um, you know, people said, well, you know, that's just different because churches, uh, you know, there's a lot of people there and they're singing and this. I said, no, it is a, um, it's an attack against our freedoms. And we need to be vigilant that these things can be taken away. They're not just guaranteed if we don't fight for them. So I I do think that it is extremely important that people, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan said that their freedom is never more than one generation away from being taken away. I can't remember the exact quote, but but essentially he was saying like every generation has got to fight for the freedoms that they have or they can evaporate. So no. I, I think that's important. Oh, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial. The last,
1: and I wrote this at Breitbart too, the week Trump won the election. I said, the most important thing, Mr. President, is Ronald Reagan's farewell speech to the American people. And he saved it for the last part of his speech. And it's brilliant. An informed patriotism. We will lose our nation if people do not understand, don't have an informed patriotism. What's happening in the schools, the denigration of our patriotism, the changing of history. And it doesn't, it happens around the table, around the thing. But read his last speech sometime, show it to the people. Uh, It's in my article on Breitbart, an informed patriotism. And that's what I think Trump should have instituted immediately, immediately, because if they started in the educational process then, being forward thinking and going for it, these kind of executive orders or whatever it might be that now we have to have in, in school, a, a civics class taught, you know what I mean, uh, honestly, and not with an agenda-driven thing. Because in California, they have different organizations driving the narrative in the schools and not done from a, uh, a pure point, but a, a, a way to, to infiltrate in a certain way is the way I see it. But the informed patriotism, as you said, is, it, it's important. We miss so many things with the politician. I find they miss so many crucial aspects of, our, of, our, of, of, of trying to protect our, our republic. Um, and that's, that's frightening. It's like, all right, it was confusing to me. I've seen, the day Hillary Clinton gave her concession speech, she said, all right, for those of you in the dark corners of social media and this one and to the youth and to the these and to those and to blah, 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 go out and fight. Fight. Don't stop fighting. Whatever I believed and I fought for it's time to fight. Now, there were riots the next day, all right? That was back then. So the, 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 the rhetoric in terms of what, they, what the left will say, the hypocrisy, which was, they showed you during the impeachment trials, the hypocrisy when that guy played that, uh, the lawyer, Van Devere, or whatever his name was, played the, the, the video of everyone, the Democrats, saying the same inciting, inciting, and nothing about the riots that we saw the last two years happening across America. Which, uh, so it, it's, 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 dang, we're in dangerous, we're in interesting times, very interesting times. When I see Nancy Pelosi kneeling at the statue of Juna Serra when Pope Francis dedicated it in 2015 or 16, whatever it was, and then not saying anything when they tore the, the statue down last year, okay? And um, people go, oh, they're just statues. Well, it's the beginning of something, it's the beginning, it's not just a statue. You know what I mean? It's a representation of history that we could talk about. We can discuss good, bad, or indifferent. And, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's perilous.
0: I definitely agree. I think it's extremely important that people not only know what took place in history, but they know uh, how not to repeat it. And they know the good, the bad, the ugly, because if you only have the revisionist history that that a lot of people want today, then you won't know what what actually took place in some of these situations. So that you can say, all right, that was bad. We're going to do something different this time. And, you know, I, I do think that it's extremely important that um, I mean, there are a lot of things in history in America that that are not right, but there are a lot of things in history that have been done really well that were never done anywhere else. And that's what made this Country, just uh, an, an incredible land, and you know it, it's not perfect, but it's far better than any other place on the planet. And it's got you know room for some slight tweaks, but we don't need a complete overhaul or destruction to blow up and, and turn into you know a communist country or a Marxist country or um, any of the other failed you know, political uh, regimes that that have never worked anywhere else. So. You know, they I talk, think that it is perilous. They talk about, all right, this is Black
1: History Month. And uh, it's important. And I watched recently because I sing jazz and I've studied jazz and I've known, you know, uh, Ken Burns' documentary called Jazz. You watch that documentary and it's a history. It's astounding. It's maybe, it's hours. You can get it on, uh, on Prime, Amazon Prime. And it gives you more history and understanding of Black culture than you would imagine. It's fascinating. And the struggle, because I talk about it in my shows, that the jazz or the American songbook comes from the struggle of the Black jazz and jump blues artists, it comes from their struggle. And then you add that to the German, the Irish, the Scottish, the French, the Norwegian, the American Indian, the no- Lebanese, people that have been here since the Revolutionary War, and then the sons and daughters of Jewish immigrants. And without the Jews, there would be no great American songbook. But it's a great amalgam of these wonderful artists and and the American that be created, the greatest American art, the Shakespeare of America. And if kids were taught this in school, jazz, the unifying aspect of it, and also the pain of which it comes from, but it was pain that was put into creativity, not pain that was put into destruction. So when they took out music out of school, big mistake, because many of the artists say, if it wasn't for this, I'd be on the streets, probably doing bad things. And the creative outlet is so important, and not to just minimalize, uh, but to be able to have a creative expression. And these guys that had the pain and couldn't probably uh, come out and say what they felt, or the or the uh, you know the, the segregation they felt, or the humility you know the, the whatever they may have, they put it into the music, and then the music gave people this joy. You know, you think of Louis Armstrong, who's like the empowering figure. Make a listen to his Nobody Knows the Trouble. I've. He does it with a heartbreaking smile and it breaks your heart, but the history of the Black struggle is in that. You know what I mean? It's like Martin Luther King yeah, from Birmingham. When I was a kid watching TV Martin Luther King's uh, funeral, I, I remember a wooden wagon pulled by two mules and a pine box in that wagon and then behind that a sea of people pulled by two mules the totality of the human struggle in that box and we're either going to pull it apart or we're going to pull it together Mm -hmm. that's the decision we have to make and i think the key is in the education and music and not the way they're doing it today because what it is it's separating us and creating anger creating victimology i don't believe in victimology i don't believe in continuing to. you have to you know Give people the confidence they can accomplish everything. Not keep picking at scabs that are that have been healed now to create new ones. Let's make those scabs deeper and even worse. Let's rip them apart. Why are they doing that? that to me, doesn't make sense. Am I a bad person because I feel differently? You know. And um, it, but but you get attacked. You get attacked if you if you have a difference of of uh, of, of seeing the world and how you can you can help someone or help you know, solve the issues. And the Democratic Party for me is just, you know, and I'm not saying everybody on the GOP is innocent. No, 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 no. But right now, it just is overwhelming. I mean, I'm going into this, like I said earlier, it's a clown world of hypocrisy. And then people say, well, you're a hypocrite because you support Trump. I says, wait, I support the policies, absolutely. I believe in America first. I believe that if we have strong America, then we go from there. But if you keep weakening us, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, then, then uh, it, it's it's crazy.
0: I definitely agree. And I, I think that, you know, one of the elements that we focus on the show a lot is, is people that, you know, they've overcome struggles in order to get to the point that they're at. You know, we sit down with successful people that live a life of purpose. But a lot of times it's because of the struggle that they become the person that they are. And, you know, so, you know, going back to Louis Armstrong, without the pain, he may not have been you know, driven to the purpose of, of becoming that jazz musician now obviously we love to get to success or, or get into our purpose without uh, the struggle but but a lot of times it just doesn't I wouldn't be the person that I am today had it not been through the pain that I went through of of opening my own business and and becoming who God called me to be I mean I, I wouldn't be who I am today so I wouldn't change any of it I was never a victim I was somebody who had to fight through overcome, And and I think that that's the the beauty of so many success stories in America. But you know, when you paint somebody as a victim and you label them that and you tell them it's okay because somebody's done you wrong and you continue to pander to that, that's a crutch that does not help anybody move forward. That keeps them down. So I could not agree with you more, Robert. I have really enjoyed this today. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. I know that it's uh, been an extreme encouragement to me. And I know that it has been for our listeners. So if people want to find out more about you, how can they do that?
1: Well, I have a, you know, when I'm, when it's, when there's no COVID, there's a Davi Singh Sinatra website. They could find out probably when I'm touring and, you know, doing uh, things, but there's, there's information put there. And then I've got Instagram at Robert Davi and then Twitter. It's at Robert
0: John Davi, D-A-B-S and Victor I. If you guys enjoyed this today, please check us out on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then also on Instagram as well, Living Life on Purpose Always. And like and share this interview. If it encouraged you, surely it'll encourage somebody else. So Robert, thanks again. Take care. God bless you, Matt. And we will see you guys next time.